This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. And I, I guess I have to say this Happy Valentine's Day. Joey's already shaking his head. It's the dad in you. Uh, I had to. I, I'm not even a big fan of it, but uh, I think everyone's saying it right now. So I'm going to jump on board and say it. But four-star commitment, Khalil Valentine, has committed to Illinois, giving Illinois a headliner, a four-star prospect. According to the composite rankings, he's a three-star prospect in the 24-7 sports rankings. And even as a 24-7 sports employee, I will point out that we are the only ones that do not have him as a four-star prospect. Rivals on three ESPN, uh, I'll have him there. But still, regardless of where he's rated, he is one of the highest-rated prospects in the Illinois class. He's the highest in the composite. He is uh, the highest tied for uh, in the 24-7 sports ranking. So a big prospect added to this class. We're going to talk about what he brings, Ryan Easterling, who is in Hawaii, by the way. Am I saying Hawaii? Hawaii. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not native. I don't, uh, wanna, but, I don't. but thanks for hopping on, man. That's great. Great to be on, man. Five hours behind, but uh, it means you get the news out early in the day here. That's right. And Joy Wagner joining us, uh, of course, shaking his head at, at my Valentine's Day. I felt like I had to say it. I just wish, part of me wishes there was, you had a print newspaper still just to watch all the headlines that you would make. I, I do enjoy a good pun. <laughs> I, I enjoy a good play on words. So, yeah, I do miss that. Like, that's the one thing, you know, whether you want to buy newspapers or not, like the headline writing, I, I still appreciate. Um, and the mementos here. But it is a big day for, for Illinois football uh, to add one of the best prospects in this class. Speedy, Khalil Valentine, more than 1,300 yards rushing, about nine yards per carry, 18 rushing touchdowns, and a good receiver, 22 receptions for almost 400 yards a couple touchdowns. Ryan, I'll let you break it down. Do you have your film review? But for the people watching, people listening, what do you see in Khalil Valentine on film? 
I think the first thing that really stands out is he's just got track speed. He's got a, a verified 10, eight, 100 meter dash time. Um, but beyond that, even just the speed is the quickness. You see where he's able to put his foot down one cut and just hit the gap and go. And he gets up to top speed really, really quick. And I think that's how you get chunk plays. That's how you get those 10, 15, 20 yard runs. The chase Brown was actually pretty, pretty known for his, his last year. So, you know, you, you maybe don't get the guy that you, there's a, the traditional rough and tumble Brett Bielema running back, but you don't really need that because you've got uh, Caden Fagan, you've got Jordan Anderson, you've got Josh McCray. This is more of the lightning comp that complements the thunder um, to pair with Aiden Lawfrey. And so, you know, I, his speed obviously stands out. He's going to have to get a little bit bigger. Um, he's going to have to put some weight on, which is fine. I mean, I think they understand that, but his, his speed and his explosiveness is, is stuff that you really can't teach. And I think those are things that they'll find a way to use um, early on and in unique ways. Yeah. And that's what they needed. Joey in this class was, was somebody who can be fast in that backfield because they have loaded up on these big bruising backs and Brett Bielma's had a great history with them. Whether you want to go back to John Clay, Monty Ball was a, was a bigger back, but you need some speed. You need some breakaway ability. It's what Chase Brown had, uh, but he had to kind of be everything for Illinois last year. You'd like to get back to this rotation. Uh, and, and I like the future of Fagan, Anderson, McCray. I think McCray, especially this year, could be the lead back. They are very high on what Caden Fagan can do. I loved what I saw from Jordan Anderson. But you need another dynamic that, you know, kind of puts fear in opponents that this guy could break one off at any time if he gets to the edge or he gets off on a screen pass. So uh, like Darion Dupree, who they made a priority, uh, I thought they got a great ideal fit in Khalil Valentine. And I thought Thad Ward did a really nice job of, you know, came in, evaluated running backs, and they saw Khalil Valentine and knew that Darion Dupree was kind of leaning towards Wisconsin. Illinois did go hard after Darion Dupree, but didn't land him. But he commits to Wisconsin yesterday, and now you can kind of negate that by landing a guy like Kula Valentine, who's a, who's a very similar prospect, out of state, from Arizona, not the in-state kid from the Chicago Catholic League. But this is kind of exactly what they need in that running back room. So uh, along on top of you know being able to add that kind of piece to your room, it's a big recruiting win. To, to, to beat Utah head-to-head is pretty big, too. Yeah, it's, it's – you know, we've talked about it. You mentioned all the big backs they have, and they, they have Aiden Lawford, who's – that probably shorter term, like that more immediate, you know, if he can stay healthy, somebody who can help them in that speed department sooner, but health has been a concern for him. We've talked about that at length. You go out and you get a guy like Khalil Valentine, Jeremy, you cannot have like enough fast guys on your team. So, I mean, it sounds so elementary, but like, that's just the reality, especially when your other backs are so big. So yeah, it's, it fits what they need. When, I mean, I know Ryan has his film review. He also looks like he's capable as a pass catcher out of the backfield as well. Uh, so, again, that's, very, like you said, very similar to Darion Dupree. But I do want to, like, zoom out a little bit about and look at how they walked kind of parallel paths. Like, they were still in on Dupree until, like, the minute that he went to Wisconsin. Like, they, they followed that. But they also did a really good job of keeping Cleo Valentine feeling like a priority and kind of navigated that well. That was a really impressive job by Thad Ward, Brett Bielman, and his coaching staff. Yeah, Ryan, I want to I want to bring this up. Is that you know they did that, and Wisconsin did that with, with Darian Dupree. Wisconsin had Dylan Jones in for a visit, another four star running back out of Maryland. Uh, so neither team did that. Uh, I, Illinois knew it was kind of fighting uphill, and it seems like Dupree, Wisconsin has a good sell. 
I mean, the history of running backs, I know Bielema was a part of that, but the brand of Wisconsin football, plus Fickles had a couple guys get drafted out of the running back backfield, and he loved Madison, from what I understood, and that's close to home too. So, But Illinois knew that. They didn't go all in on him. They found another guy in Khalil Valentine, who, to be honest with you, was leaning towards Utah coming into June. And for Illinois to get him on campus, get him here for an official, and from what I heard, guys, it was bottled up pretty, pretty well until the final, what, 24 hours here. Illinois got the commitment on campus. So they, they were able to sell him. Thad Ward did a heck of a job. And then they're able to close on him when Utah is a heck of a program. I know they're in the Pac-12, but back-to-back Rose Bowls, Kyle Whittingham taking over Urban Myers basically made Utah the Wisconsin of the West, Ryan. So that, that's a great recruiting win. Yeah, and I'd have to go back and look exactly when it was, but Illinois didn't offer him that long ago. It was it was like late April or maybe early May. So things things progressed very quickly with Khalil Valentine, but they had a sell. And, and you know, I, I don't think that it was a case where Illinois really wanted to concede on Darion Dupree, and, you know, they fought to the bitter end on that one, but it sounds like that Wisconsin just had, had the sell there. Illinois made a great pitch. They made a great push, but – I would say to to your point, credit the staff for coming in and and just putting their the pedal to the metal on getting Khalil Valentine done because they got a great player there out of a guy or out of an area that they don't traditionally recruit. And you know, we we look anytime this class especially, you look, they've got guys from Utah, they've got, got two guys from Nebraska, and now they've got a guy from Arizona who's only like the sixth or seventh letter winner from the state of Arizona in program history. And one of the last being Robert Holcomb from the mid nineties, also a running back. So kind of an interesting dynamic there. Um, but yeah, I mean, to have this position essentially sewn up and have a great complimentary piece to some of the bigger backs they already have in the room, I think was a really important recruiting win for them, especially given what happened just yesterday. Yeah. And Joe, I, I wonder what you think of just landing a guy with a fourth star in the composite. You know, th- this has been a good recruiting class. Uh, but Illinois has missed on Luke Williams. They missed on Dupree. They, they missed on Lightfoot. So they haven't been quite able to get that headliner that just changes. And I understand it from a fan's perspective. You know, we get that one guy, like you get a Malik Ellis, you get a Caden Fagan. It kind of changes the way you think about a class. Even if we know those three stars or the no star in Devin Witherspoon's uh, stance, like you look back at the 2017 class, Kendrick Green was a four star, turned out pretty well. But some of those low three stars, those late evals turn into great players. But it does change. Like those are bigger recruiting battles. They tend to be. And you know, Oregon was in on Khalil Valentine. At some point, Miami was in on Khalil Valentine. Um, so I, I think this is as good of a recruiting win as Vernon Woodward, I would consider in that realm. Easton Baker, I would consider in that realm. Eddie Turk, Tyshawn Griffin. But to, to have that fourth star, I know some fans were itching for that. Yeah, I get it. I mean, you want to have that four star because like the star rate, you can believe in them or not, but they still exist. And people get excited about that. So uh, Valentine's the third highest rated commit of the Bielema era behind Malik Elzey, behind Sabor Kareem. Neither of those two were committed when the season started a year ago to Illinois. Uh, Illinois had one four star at this point a year ago, Caden Fagan, who jumped on very, very early. And he was the first one, if I'm not mistaken, maybe the second. Yeah. So, I mean – there's still a long way to go, right? It's like until signing day, but to get that four star, I think people, I think people were happy about the class. I think you look at it like there's good football players in this class that Illinois has, but I think if you're just not even just a casual fan, just somebody who likes to 
I mean, this brings up your recruiting ranking. Who likes to see their team and in, in that with that company, I guess. Like, yeah, it matters. It matters to fans. It matters in terms of perception. Does it always matter on the field? Not always. It does a lot. I mean, stars do matter. Oh, yeah. that, let's let's be honest here. Uh, but th- but there are development stories. There are stories of, of four stars who don't pan out. Um, but it matters a lot. I think I think stars matter a lot when you're getting into five star, high four star territory because yeah. you land a bunch of those. You know, Georgia's got three five stars and fifteen four stars. Ohio State has four five stars, twelve. Like that matters when you're stacking that many. Um, I, I just don't know if the, the difference between a Turk and, and a Woodward is all that different from from a Valentine. But Valentine is a deserving four star prospect. I wrote it my what it means. Like I think Illinois has landed four or five guys in this class that for me would be four star level caliber players. But for me, that's like top seven hundred uh, prospect. But I, I digress. Illinois now the number thirty seven team in the country in the team recruiting rankings. And when you look at the big 10, um, you know, they're now number 11, but they're the sixth big 10 West team to get a four star. The one without a four star is Northwestern, which is dealing with a world of trouble right now. But uh, you get into that realm where I, I wrote this today, guys, like the rest of the West is recruiting incredibly well. Like they're, they're upping their game. Nebraska, under Matt Rule, has five four-stars. They're a top 25 class. Ryan Walters is doing great work recruiting. I know – yes, you got to see what he does as a head coach, but he is recruiting. He's recruiting incredibly well. You <laughs> say that. Uh, Wisconsin has six four-stars in this class now. Uh, Minnesota has one. Illinois and Minnesota have similar classes right now, but you know they're elevating their game just like all these other West teams are. And then, Ryan, it comes down to – you know, evaluation, it comes down to development and it comes down to retention to, to see who emerges among those teams. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of hinted at this, but with the influx of coaches that the West has had this off season, high tides raise all ships. So if you're not stepping your game up, you're going to sink. And so you're seeing that where Illinois now has to recruit on a higher plane. And fortunately they had the season they had this past year, because I think that gave them a lot of ammo to be able to recruit and at least try to keep up. Um, you know, they will, to, to Bielema's point, always be a developmental type program, but they're, they're getting on average better talent. And I think that they're able to take that mold that you're probably getting less misses or less marginal guys in these classes now. Because if you look back at some of the classes in the past, whether it was Tim Beckman classes, anything Bill Cubitt put together or Ron Zook classes, there were a lot of boomer bust guys. And I think Bielema has shifted his approach a lot more in that he's taking more guys that are less likely to be complete flameouts. You know, you might have a few guys that are Devo guys, but you're getting an average level of talent that's better than what they've gotten in the past. You're getting less guys who are very high risk players. There's maybe a few here and there, but I think the staff has confidence in their ability to develop those guys and keep up in the arms race for talent in the West. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, um, Ryan, what do you think of this class? 17 commits in this class right now, number 37 in the country. They get a four-star today. They've landed some top in-state kids, missed on some in-state kids. And as you said, uh, they, they've gotten into some recruiting territories that they, they normally do not get into with Nebraska, Utah, Arizona. Uh, so just what do you make of it right now? It's interesting to me because, you know, I was thinking, man, they've done really well in state. But then you look at the numbers and they haven't landed as many in-state guys. But I still don't think that they're necessarily doing poorly in state. I just think that this was kind of a unique class. you got some guys like Cam Williams and Justin Scott who were probably just never coming to Illinois. I mean, they were the first offer for Justin Scott, but I don't know that that really was going to change anything. Um, they've done well. They've gotten some guys like an Eddie Turk uh, that they should get. They got Tyshawn Griffin, a guy that they should get. And now you look ahead to, to 2025, and, and I mean, they really have an opportunity to do well in state in that class. But not to digress too far from the 2024 class, I, you know, I think they've addressed a lot of really big needs. You, you see some of the roster turnover that happened at the DB positions. You see, um, you know, some of the offensive line positions that are moving on, some of the defensive line positions that are going to be moving on after this year, and they needed to backfill those spots. And I think they've done a pretty good job of getting pieces that backfill that. Uh, you know, you mentioned them already, but I'm, I'm also really high on Vernon Woodward. I, you know, I think he's a guy that will probably outplay his rating unless he gets a significant bump up just because he's so good in man coverage and can be that guy on the corner moving forward. Uh, you look at a guy like Easton Baker who has – just eye-popping film. You know, they've gotten some guys that I think can be really good players moving forward. And it's just a matter of uh, piecing everything together. But where I think they really have done well is they've gotten the pieces that fit into the overall scheme of what they're going for as a roster. They've actually done a great job the last two or three years of really rebuilding this roster and getting pieces that fit and make sense in the big picture of a four-year, five-year rolling roster as opposed to just getting immediate needs and, and getting plug and play guys that, you know, maybe they're just for a hot second and then leave. Joey, I was, didn't even have this in my, what it means piece, but uh, I'm thinking about it now. This is Stad Ward's first commitment on his comeback to Illinois. Antonio Finellis's first was Vernon Woodward, right? Or one of the first, like that, that's a, that's a big addition for him. Robbie Disher, is that a Carson Conkle and Tanner Hollinger? Too good to dish. I, I think Carson, obviously, a really good recruiting win. Um, and then you think of Charlie Bolin, went in a Power 5 recruitment uh, for both Lane Jenkins and for Joe Barna. I think it's been a nice nice impact early on for these four new assistants so far. Yeah, we wondered what that was going to look like because we, we didn't have a really a big – I mean, Thad Ward we had for the most part. Oh, yeah, they, they've gone out. They've won Power 5 commitments. I was looking up while Ryan was talking when I had this. The last two classes, Illinois had three top 500 players each, uh, three this year, three last year, according to the composite rankings. The first year, that 2022 class, zero. One and 21, two and 20, three. Now, we talked about that 19 class because it was Isaiah Williams, and you go down the line, Keith Randolph was criminally underranked, Seth Coleman as well. But they had three in that class. So, like, this is like, – you're starting to stack minimally, but, like, to get those top 500 guys – on board and to your point, Jeremy, Khalil Valentine, first one for Thad Ward. He's a top 350 kid. Um, first one for Thad Ward back at Illinois. So you wanted to see that. And remember, he got in kind of late in this cycle a little bit. So what's it going to look like when you get into that 25 
and beyond. And it's not just running backs. I mean, Thad Ward's a really well-connected guy. You're seeing Antonio Finellis' connections in the state of Florida and that partnership with Aaron Henry. Like you're seeing those pay off. Robbie Disher, man, um, I, I talked to Tanner Hollinger's coach yesterday, and he's raved about the guy. Uh, I think he's like a really good fit to recruit tight ends because we, we've talked about his personality a little bit, and I think he just connects really well with people, especially uh, tight ends and maybe kind of some of those smaller town kids. So, yeah, it's uh, the good early returns for the new coaches. The other thing I was thinking about is, you know, after you have Devin Witherspoon and Sidney Brown and Quan Martin, is it going to be easy just to land all these four stars, Ryan? Um, and, and Ryan Walter certainly is is taking advantage of that uh, over at Purdue. But they do get Woodward, who I think is a four-star level guy. Chase Brown, that helps sell Khalil Valentine. Uh, and and kind of underrated is the offensive line development here at Illinois and that Vidarian Lowe, Doug Kramer get drafted, Alex Palczewski and Alex Pilstrom get NFL contracts. They help turn that into Zafir Stewart and Caleb Pye from uh, in, in this class. And then some of the defensive line, like recruiting is elevating now that you've seen Randolph and Newton uh, play play really well. And you get somebody like Turk and Demetrius John, power five level defensive linemen coming in. So I don't know if like last season, all of a sudden Ryan means they're going to land all these four stars, but it is paying off in recruiting because these are recruitments these no doubt power five offensive linemen, these no doubt power five defensive linemen, you know, Easton Baker choosing Illinois over Oklahoma, Quill Valentine choosing Illinois over Utah. It's gradually starting to make a difference. Yeah. And you haven't really seen them landing stars in the defensive backfield just yet, as far as like the DBs, but they're getting really good players and they're getting guys that fit into this defense. I mean, the number of six foot two, six foot three, six foot four defensive backs they're recruiting is is right on brand. I mean, they, they love these big guys that can play multiple different positions. They're getting the right fits. Um, where I think they have a huge opportunity, and I, I already hinted at this a little bit in the, the last thing I talked about was 2025 is a absolutely stacked, and I mean stacked in-state defensive line class especially on the outsides, but just all across the board. I mean, you look, you've got Chris Burgess, Jalen Williams, Nate Marshall from Fenwick. They've got, there's like four, four-star players, including several that have like Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio state offers. Like this is the year that if you're going to parlay success of your front seven, you got to do it. And so I think they're going to hang their hat on that this year uh, on the offensive line, I think that's probably where they've had the most success in turning on-field production and development into actual recruiting results. But I think the next thing is going to be um, on you know, the, the defensive line. I think what might have hurt them was the fact that Walters went to a different school and that took away some of the sell because obviously he's able to sell that himself as well. And I think if he was still around, that probably would have really strengthened the sell for DBs at Illinois. But no. You might have had Jair Hill. Yeah, you might have had Jair right. Hill in class as right. well. And and I want to be honest, like Ryan deserves to be able to have that sell. He was a yeah. huge part of why they had so much success. Yeah, I don't think you can ignore what he did at Illinois and the fact that he he should get credit for it. I mean, I I know that fans aren't gonna like that and they love to hate it, but you know, it's it's true. And so, but the Illinois still has Terrence Jameson on, around. They elevated his title this off season because they feel that he brings a lot of value as a position coach and what he does. And I think if that group really performs the way that everybody thinks they can this year between Newton Randolph and the rest of that front seven, 
especially with adding Charlie Bullen into the mix uh, to develop some of these edge guys. And they've got Gabe Ackes coming back, who's a freshman all-conference, all-American type player. That front seven has a chance to really put some put some footage on the map and and be some of that uh, sales material to that front seven class in 2025 that is going to be so critical to land in state. Yeah, and I just want to add Andy Boo's been a big part of it. Obviously, Aaron Henry had a huge impact on and Devin Witherspoon, and obviously, Bielma thinks very highly of him. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. Uh, Joey, I wanted to bring up with you 17 commitments, not many spots left in this class, I would imagine for prep prospects with only nine seniors. Of course, you always have attrition. Uh, some guys will go to the NFL. Some guys will enter the transfer portal after the year, but what else are you looking forward to in this class of 2024 moving forward? So in terms of like what we're immediately waiting on to see where they commit would be Dalen Platt, Josiah Knight. And then you just get into the fall. I, I think those are the two you see what plays out. And I know you got Xavier Lucas still out there in the mix. Uh, and D'Amico Kennedy, right, Kennedy? Yeah. We'll see. I mean, but you, you let those play out, and you probably just see what happens in the fall, see if there's any of those late risers, see what you probably you know, are going to need, whether it be the portal, especially on the defensive line, whether you think there's a junior college market you can tap into going in. But they've addressed a lot of these positions, Jeremy. I mean, you go down the list. Position. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of one that you would – you know, look, you can't have enough defensive linemen. You, if you really wanted to complain and say they need to add another one, you could probably point to defensive line because you've got a great sell and you can't have enough of them. Um, yeah, but otherwise, it, they've done great. I mean, I think they've addressed every need. I think they want one more outside. I know they want one more outside linebacker, and Knight could be that guy. Uh, I do think they'll be in the market for a defensive lineman, especially now that we know Mason Moragan's playing outside linebacker, apparently. Um, and we'll see where Eddie Turk ends up. So if he's a defensive lineman or offensive lineman, but I think another DB and another outside linebacker is kind of what they've planned for. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Lucas, Levi, Platt uh, among those Florida guys and an outside linebacker. But then you got a chance to to go flipping. You got a chance to, as Ryan said, start on the class of 2025. Done a lot of heavy work here, heavy lifting here, Ryan. Yeah, and and you know I think I think that's the case. They and they have in the past. It seems like at least the last couple of years tried to leave themselves some scholarships for the end of the year to be able to fill those spots. And I I, I mean I won't be surprised if you have some attrition. It just kind of happens these days in the transfer portal world. Um, but they're going to try and leave themselves at least a little bit of savings in the scholarship account to be able to add some pieces late. And and I think that. Uh, you know, depending on whether they find somebody who has a great senior season, is uh, an off-the-radar guy who pops in, they, they get his film and say, hey, this is a guy we need to go after. Uh, whether that's a, a potential flip for a guy that maybe committed elsewhere, some circumstance changed, and now he's available. Uh, or it's just a guy that um, emerges late, or it's a transfer portal guy. I think they're going to leave themselves at least a little bit of, of room to be able to add somebody late in the cycle or add a couple of people late in the cycle so that they're not completely pigeonholing themselves if somebody comes up. I want to wrap up here, and I just want to wrap up with the news of the day, which is Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. Uh, I never thought I'd enter a media days where Pat Fitzgerald might be on the hottest seat in the Big Ten, but boy, that'll be interesting uh, when Pat Fitzgerald gets to media days because – Kudos to the Daily Northwestern, the student journalists there. Obviously, Medill is a very good journalism school, and those uh, the students did great work in, in uncovering some really severe, disturbing allegations about this hazing scandal. 
Fitzgerald was really given a slap on the wrist with a two-week suspension. Um, the the best that Pat Fitzgerald can look is negligent here uh, with, with some of the actions that were happening under his watch for a really, really long time. Uh, but I also think this looks really poorly on Northwestern, the administration, because they're really trying to sweep this under the rug. And, and I think this story by the Daily Northwestern, which is why it's a kudos to them, is going to make this a continuing story. I don't think this is done, and I don't know whether it's really threatening to Fitzgerald, but boy, he's got some big questions to answer. And I, I just wonder how many, if like the media now is going to try and get more answers out of Fitzgerald than Northwestern did. Like I understand what he's done there, but, and I know, understand Northwestern's probably not the only place this has happened. Just like we talked about with, with Illinois and Tim Beckman and all that, but doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it that th- these coaches shouldn't be held accountable for this stuff. So I, I know it's a, it's a dicey subject. We're still learning information, but, um, that's a it's an unfolding situation there, Joey, uh, at Northwestern with some disturbing allegations from former players. Yeah, that's the, the allegations are bad. Well, media it feels weird. Like media day, we just talked the other day about how it's only a few weeks away, but like that also feels like kind of a long time when you're talking about a story like this and how things play out. And that's not to say it'll be fixed, but I just think like you to your point where you go into media day and like he's gonna have a lot of questions from a lot of people. And I'm just wondering what it looks like between now and then and, you know, how much we how much more we learn. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a Pat Fitzgerald's going to be a very, um, very talked to guy, talked about guy from media days. He's probably the number one story right now, which I mean, we're talking about with all these new coaches in the Big Ten. Like Ryan Walters, obviously a really big local story for us in Purdue. Uh, and I think nationally he's got some buzz because he's a really compelling story really compelling personality you got a new coach at nebraska you got a new coach at wisconsin who's been in the college football playoff but i know it's a short-term cycle here potentially but just the fact that he's got to answer these questions um right i've always respected pat Fitzgerald and what he's done i've, I've always kind of uh every time i've talked with him I've, I've really enjoyed my conversations but um this is not a good look for him yeah i mean i, re- I read the article this morning and if some of those allegations are true, a two week suspension during a pretty inconsequential time seems very, very light from the Northwestern administration. So I don't know if now that more of this detail has come to light, they're going to take another dig into this or what. I mean, it sounds like they were privy to a lot of this detail, which really, if that's the case, as you said, reflects more poorly on the Northwestern administration than it does Pat Fitzgerald. Um, I will be interested to see, you know, Jim Phillips has moved on from Northwestern. He and Pat Fitzgerald were extremely tight when he was the athletic director there. Um, I I don't know what's going to happen. That program's got massive questions now. I I mean, Pat Fitzgerald. And it's not like they've been doing great either, too. They fell off bad last year. If Pat Fitzgerald's 10 and 2, people might deal with this a little bit easier. (laughs) Let's be honest. Like that, that is what happens. Like if Tim Beckman were coming off back-to-back bowl games, they've been easier on it's put, it's We got to put that in there. Um, but he's not. He's, the last three or four seasons have been terrible, but he is one of the best coaches. I mean, he's the best coach ever at Northwestern. Um, and, you know, he's the man there, especially for a new athletic director. The power is, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald's a more popular person there. Uh, so ever since Jim Phelps left, it has not been going very well there at Northwestern. Yeah. And I mean, we saw how this all played out with Tim Beckman and his, 
you know, things continue to come out as time goes on. And so I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about how this is all going to look long term. You know, are, are there going to be more allegations? Are there going to be more players that come forward? And I think if that's the case and you see some more players come forward and corroborate some of these allegations, it's going to be problematic for Pat Fitzgerald and for the Northwestern administration trying to keep him around. Yeah. Uh, Anton said, it's a shame that people wouldn't give Pat Fitzgerald the benefit of the doubt. The man has a sterling reputation, has been on the scene for 30 years, but some anonymous allegations can do this. They are anonymous in the newspaper. They are not anonymous to Northwestern. Like these people that talked to the Daily Northwestern talked to Northwestern. And, and you notice Northwestern came out with a statement today. They did not deny the allegations. They said they hid behind privacy, student privacy. And I somewhat understand that. Um, but they didn't say that these things are untrue. And we have not heard Pat Fitzgerald say those things are untrue. So Pat Fitzgerald basically said, I didn't know this was happening, which again, maybe he didn't know everything that was happening, but there are some details in the story that are interesting that I think people should read, go in there. I'm not saying he should be fired. I don't know, but he's got some questions he's got to answer. And it's, with this report, it's got a lot more to answer Joey than, than Northwestern just kind of shoving this under the rug to two weeks suspension while all these coaches are taking vacations anyway. Yeah, and that was my point from earlier. I probably should have done a better job explaining. I'm just very curious what this looks like in three weeks when he's got every media outlet from around the Big Ten and nationally there. Like, do they try to get this? Like, I think there's a lot more further to address. Do you do that ahead of media? Like, that's what I meant earlier by, like, three weeks with a news story like this is a really, really long time. And I just wonder what their approach will be given that, like, He's going to be there, and everybody's going to be there. What what's that look like? Do you do you extend the sus suspension? Do you go with what? I, I, that's what I'm most interested by. Um, outside of obviously the, the fallout from this is like, how do they handle this? How how do they handle the immediacy of this? And what certainly will be more information that we learn about in the next three weeks. Yeah, and to be honest with you, like. I've been a guy that you know, I've talked with people in the industry. I was like, man, if, if Mike, you want to pay, pay for Pat Fitzgerald, like sterling reputation, Anton's talking about, it, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. This makes you question that. Like that's, that's why this is kind of jarring. Cause I've always felt Pat Fitzgerald was maybe I was wrong here, but I always felt like he did it the right way and all these things. And that's why I just think he's got to answer more questions about it because again, like he either knew about it and that's, that's a huge black eye and that's a huge red flag or, he didn't know what was going on in his program. Like, I, I don't, I don't strike. I and mean, Brett Bielma's not that kind of guy. And Pat Fitzgerald's not that kind of guy. Uh, and at some point I would imagine Ryan, some player coach addressed this or, or brought it up or a whisper got back to him about it. Like that's, that's speculation, but it's like, it's hard to believe with as meticulous as these guys are, as, as hands-on as they are, they wouldn't hear anything about it. Yeah. As integral as Pat Fitzgerald is to that program, I just have a hard time believing that he never had been, briefed or brought had this brought to his attention in some degree. Um, I think what's really going to be problematic for him is if there is a link made to him to where he was actually an active participant or complicit in it, whether he knew it or not. Um, you know, there's, there are a couple details in that article about, um, you know, signaling or identifying players that were, were dogging it and were uh, kind of tagging them, if you will, for these activities. Um, you know, whether Fitzgerald knew that that's what was, being done as a result or not is hard to determine. And one and one thing, and I don't know, maybe this is maybe this is a non-factor, but one thing I think might make this a little bit challenging as far as getting information is that Northwestern is a private institution. 
they're not a state institution, so it may make getting information a little bit tougher. It may make the dissemination of information a little bit tougher because Northwestern can do more in-house. But I think it's going to behoove them to be very transparent in all this. I think that's what's shown to be. Yeah, they they have to be transparent in this or else it's going to look like they're trying to cover something up and it's only going to make it worse. Yeah, which is what I think is the most concerning is they've not been uh, very transparent. I understand the privacy involved in all of that, but um Fitzgerald Northwestern have not been transparent in this. So it'll be interesting to move, see moving forward. Uh, and he'll face a lot of questions here coming up. All right, Ryan Easterling, thank you for coming on from Hawaii, man. Give us your insight. Michael of Valentine, Illinois football recruiting. Joy Wagner, thank you as well, boys. Uh, thank you to everybody watching on the YouTube live. Give us a follow. Give us a like on your way out. And if you're listening on the podcast, go give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.